so we have been, oh my goodness, it's Lent time. Did you know that? So we're not quite there. We're almost there. Lent is a time of reflection and evaluation. We look at our lives and where we are in our walk and our journey and where God would have us. And we're going to spend uh, that time. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. I invite you to come at 630. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll be glad to put some ashes on, you, on, you, on your forehead and to remind us that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. So a little humility is probably a good thing in all of our lives. Uh, and the children will have a special uh, thing going on as well during that service. It's, it will be uh, a time to kick off and into that Lenten season. But we're not there yet, right? So I want to celebrate this morning. Victory, you're, you're getting a theme, I hope. Victory, I am free. I want to celebrate that. I, see, God is moving in this place, and, and, and that's a very special and cool thing. He has not stopped moving, by the way. A lot of people say, well, the church is dead or whatever. Uh-uh, God's still moving. God is still God. He's moving in the hearts of his people, and he is not done. Say that with me. He is not done. You know why I say that? Because he is not <laughs> done. He's not done with us. He's, he's with us. God is for us. God is for you. And he's walking with us this morning. We started this year talking about one. And we talked about a tapestry, right? This, the tapestry that begins with Scripture and the Holy Spirit weaving as the thread the Scripture together to, to move us and to make us into the people that God would have us to be. Because we are to be one as the Father and Son are one, and that's the goal. That we want to be one as the Father and Son are one. We want to be so aligned with who God is, with who Jesus is, that you can't tell the difference between us and Him. That's the ultimate goal, and, and I know that's, that's a pretty lofty goal, but that's the ultimate goal, to be one as the Father and Son are one. So after that, we talked about the Circle Maker series and to follow the promises, to pray the promises of God. Because if you want to pray boldly and pray audaciously, grab onto what God has said he will do. And you can pray the promises of God boldly and audaciously. We've begun doing that in this place, and we're seeing the results. You know, uh, Grow to Be You is full right now. You know? <laughs> Wednesdays, uh, you know, there, I, guess, I guess we could say that on Monday and Friday, I guess you can take one more. But Wednesday is, is full. We don't have room right now and, at Grow to Be You. Corey's going to get paid her full wage next month. That's it. That's pray boldly and audaciously. God is for us. Know that. Pray hard. Dream big, right? We had talked about that. And think long. Think long term because we underestimate what can be accomplished in 10 years. And I wonder if you get this sense as you look around, as you're part of this congregation, that something's happening, that there's a wind blowing, that the, that the Spirit is moving, the winds of the Spirit are moving. And whenever I begin to get that sense, it takes me to a place in Scripture. Acts chapter 2. So I'm going to read this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, 
aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in my native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I ask these guys that all the time. What does this mean? Imagine you were there. Imagine you were there. How cool <laughs> would that have been to be in that place when, when all of this is going on? You know, they, the crowd was kind of, was so perplexed that they thought they were drunk, actually. They're like, have they been drinking? You know, it's like, no, we ain't been drinking. But this is, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the, to experience the wind of revival blowing powerfully into the first congregation of Jerusalem. This is first UMC Jerusalem. Well, they probably weren't Methodists. But the first, first church at Jerusalem, this is it. This, and the Holy Spirit shows up powerfully. And they were so, the people present were so astonished and confused and questioning, what is going on? What is happening in this place? And it sometimes seems in reading this passage that it was a spur of the moment all of a sudden kind of thing, but that's not really the way that it was. So I want to drop back to chapter 1. The disciples had asked Jesus if this is the time that the kingdom of Israel would be restored. His answer was this. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, this is an interesting question or, or answer because this is, there are entire ministries and theologies and preachers and, and just stuff that has tried to figure out when is the time. We want to know when the time is. Tell me when the time is so that I can be ready. And I'm going to put it off until right before, but, but once I know when, then I'm going to go ahead and get ready, you know. And Jesus is saying very clearly to his disciples, the ones that were closest to him, it is not for you to know the time. He's saying that to us this morning. It is not for you to know the time the Father has set by his own authority. Because it's not. And then I love this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Houston and in Jefferson and in Flowery Branch and in all of Georgia and in the United States. Okay, it may not say that in actual scripture. It probably says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But you know what that means for us, right? Because Jerusalem was local. Jerusalem was Hushton. And, and, and it goes from there outside of that. So Judea, the surrounding region, Jackson County, Hall County, Gwinnett County. And then into the state of Georgia as you begin to go to Samaria, that other place. And then into the United States and then into the world. He's saying that same thing to us. It's just the names are different. So think of it that way. You are witnesses to Jesus Christ in, in Brazelton and in Flowery Branch and in Gainesville and wherever you are, you are witnesses of Jesus Christ. He's sending you to those places. And I love this word. You know I love this word, right? I, I, anytime I get a chance to grab hold of dunamis, I do. Because dunamis means power. And, and the dunamis is the dynamic, the that dynamite, that power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that, that the Holy Spirit was going to come and going to do this, and he comes in our lives and changes everything, and, and then we complain about it, and then we, you know, have to get back in track. But anyway, uh, 
Here's the thing about the disciples, though. Jesus is telling them, hey, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come, right? They have no idea what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. So they're like, okay, the, the helper's going to come. And they're like, okay, what do we do about that? So they sit back. They smoked a couple of cigarettes and sat. Oh, I shouldn't say that in church. Um, <laughs> they sit back, and they had a bowl of soup. And um, they waited, right? They didn't do anything. No, they didn't sit back. They didn't sit on their heels. They got into prayer. See, we should not be sitting on our heels even now. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room that they, where they were staying. And they joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is actually this, this is a bigger deal than what we recognize today. He, the women were part of this prayer group at a time when women were not part of the prayer group. So this was an inclusion of women into, into this new faith called, that was going to be called Christianity. So, my dear brothers and sisters, are we constantly in prayer? Or are we constantly in doubt? They were constantly in prayer. Before the day of Pentecost. I want a day of Pentecost. You know, Rick keeps talking about this, this pulpit being split. You know, I, I want the Holy Spirit to show up someday and just split this pulpit and fall down. We'll get a new one. I don't care. You know, that would just be an awesome, awesome thing. Second Chronicles 7.14 is a passage that we've visited many times. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. This is a promise of God. You can pray that. You know, we're going to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. And if we do that, the healing will come, whatever that healing needs to be. Sitting back, waiting for God without ever seeking, asking, or knocking, right? Seek and you will find. <laughs> knocking the door will be open. Asking, you'll get an answer. <laughs> Are there times to be still? Yes. But that stillness needs to include prayer. It always needs to include prayer. We spend too much time being still and not enough time praying. We've got to get involved in prayer. And my challenge during this Lenten season, as we begin to approach, I've talked about March 13th, that that's going to be a time we're going to be in the grove. We're going to be together from 6.30 for an hour to an hour and a half, just praying circles around all of those Sir, the, the, the what's my Jericho sheets that you turn in, we're going to pray over those and pray audaciously and boldly for God to show up and show out. And I, you know, I'm asking for a sacrifice of an hour to an hour and a half during the Lenten season on Wednesday. And if you can't get here, do it at home, but come here if you can. You know, we want to do this corporately as, as a body of Christ. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. It's this Isaiah 56-7 passage. So we're going we're to pray joyfully, and we're going to give God the glory. 
because it ain't about us. And I, and I do hope that you've begun praying for the, for the building, for the future of our church, our location, uh, for ministry. But the purpose of the building is the point. The building itself is not the point. We seek ministry opportunities. We're currently serving in our schools at West Jackson Elementary School. I'm there on Thursdays with Good News Club. We're there with Issa Martinez, a school counselor. We're working with, with them. We serve in our serving our recovery community through Celebrate Recovery. We're working on building that ministry. Special needs ministry, the mighty, is, is serving our special needs ministry. Our children, as you see here, as they get, continues to grow with our children's ministry, with Club 456 for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and, and uh, 412 youth continuing to move forward in the 30-hour famine. Hallelujah, you guys are awesome. They raised $885 so far, which is almost feeding two kids for a year. So, so that's incredible, incredible for this for, for 412 youth. We're growing. Uh, we have discipleship going on in, in our grow groups, our small group ministries. We have partnerships with ISERV. One of the things we did we, in, in the 30-hour famine was go to ISERV in Athens, which just started. Piedmont Rape Crisis Center, if you want to help Susan Schuneman, one of the things that she needs uh, is gift cards. Even if it's a $15 gas card or a Walmart card, some of the, the women primarily that, that she uh, encounters are not able to, to go home and are, and are in, a, in a position where they just need something to get them by. And so just know that Susan's always in need of that. We're involved with One Race Movement, Good News Club, Legacy Mentoring, and others. Our worship is focused on glorifying God. That's what we want to do. We want to celebrate what he's doing in this place, celebrate what he's doing in this world. We want to celebrate that, and we want to fill gaps in the community. And you are called to help fill those gaps. You're called. You have a calling. Part of my prayer for us is that we're the tip of the spear. And what I mean by that is that is the tip of the spear is what pierces the heart and the Holy Spirit gets in there. I want to be the tip of the spear that impacts lives in a way that, that can't be impacted in any other way. I want to see revival. And revival is primarily about these two things. We talked about this in the fall. Freedom and new life. Freedom and new life. Paul wrote this to second, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When the Holy Spirit moves into our lives, change happens. You cannot encounter the living God and emerge unchanged. It can't happen. The power of God rests within us. How could we not be changed in incredible ways, right? Paul also wrote this to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 4, 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You are created in the image and likeness of God. Your imago Dei. You're God's handiwork. You're God's workmanship. And you hear me say this often because life tends to rob us of our identity, and we need to reclaim that because claiming that identity allows us to live into this new life and into this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's where our freedom resides, in the reality that we have our eternity is secure so we can live freely today. This is a short time. Eternity is a long time, and we are freed. This is from Romans 12, so another remember this. Romans 12 is one of my passages. You guys know that. One of my chapters. 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's why the potluck today is so cool. That's why Bunko on Friday, we're getting to know each other in this place so that we can live the life together and belong to one another. We have different gifts, but we have gifts. Everyone, everyone has gifts according to the grace given to us. Here's the deal. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, you know what you need to do? Encourage. Give encouragement. It's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This hashtag that you'll see around here, the, the be you for him, that's not a random thing. It's actually a scriptural thing. Be who you are, but be who you are for God. Our purpose in, at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson is, is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life, to help lead people from where they are to where God would have them to be. All of that equals to be who you are for God. Be you for Him. It's the short version of all those long things that we write that are all over the website. We spent the last few years preparing and tilling the soil, planting the seeds to get where? here to get to this place where God is moving and God's up to stuff in this place. When we choose to stop trying to be with the world or other people or even those crazy voices that show up in our heads sometimes keep trying to force us into a mold not of God's making, let's move into a mold of God's making. You're a child of the living God and you're made to be free. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are Free, indeed. That passage is one that we can hang on to. Whatever's going on in your life. And I want to finish up this morning. You never guess what I'm about to do. I want to focus on this idea of freedom. We, we are no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes this life gets me shackled, and a song will show up, and it'll show in my mind, it'll, it'll be transformative for me. And this song is one of those songs. So it's going to be up here. You can sing it. You can just listen to it. It's a song, a proclamation. You can proclaim it. You're invited to live in the victory that we have through Jesus. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again to a family. 
Your blood flows through my veins. Tell him, I'm no longer slave to fear. Why? I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You know, my fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Yes, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. No longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. That is your identity. That is who you are created to be. So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Amen.